Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We are in the midst of a collection of conversations around here at All Nations Aurora. We started last week with a conversation called Change Your World. Change your world. One of the hallmark staple statements of All Nations Aurora and all the other All Nations churches is that we create world changers, those that will go out and change the world. But the problem is we cannot change the world until we first change our world. It all starts with us. And so that's what this collection of conversations is going to deal with, how to change your world. And we started this conversation last week with a message titled Under the Influence, Under the Influence. If you weren't here, you missed it. Everybody got super offended when I started talking about yoga and that all, all the yoga demons just started manifesting. And it was super interesting. But we talked about how God uh, wants us to infiltrate uh, the term is called the seven mountains of influence, the seven mountains of influence. And we used um, a story and, and history that shows that when a society is to be changed, it usually falls on the influence of seven major areas. The first one is the church. The second one is government. The third one is arts and entertainment and education and business and media and family. Those seven mountains are what the Lord is calling us as his sons and daughters to go and influence. We use the scripture that was a rebuke from God to Jeremiah, where he told him, you are to influence them. You're not supposed to let them influence you. And so we've been charged and mandated to go out into this world and make a difference, make an impact and influence. And for some, we're like, man, which, which one am I called to? Well, you may be called to one. You may be called to multiple. That doesn't matter. The point of this conversation is to know that we have a purpose. We have work to do. We have an assignment to fulfill. One of the things that we said last week was God created us for much more than to live, go to work, pay bills, and die. He has much more in store for us on this earth. I know we can't wait to get to heaven. But he didn't come and die just for us to skate through earth and get to heaven. He wants us to live a certain way, a purposeful way, a purposeful way on the earth. So he wants us to live a purposeful life. And so we are now in week two and we're going to take a look at a passage's of scripture in the book of Joshua. I'm going to be looking at Joshua chapter one. I'm going to be reading in the CSB version. Joshua chapter one, we're going to read in the CSB version. If you got it, say I got it. You need more time? Say hold up. All right, I got y'all. Joshua 1, that's in the beginning of the book. Old Testament. Yes, the Old Testament still matters. 
So Joshua 1 reads like this. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Wow. Thank you, Lord. I will be with you. Thank you, Lord. Just as I was with Moses, I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Last one. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. One more time. Verse nine. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Today's message is titled, You Go First. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, be with us today. Communicate your will, your specific purpose to each and every one that is here. We trust you. We honor you. I move myself out of the way so that you can be made heard clearly. Father, have your way from start to finish. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm an 80s baby. Raised in the 90s, but I'm an 80s baby. And one of the things that you may not know about your pastor is this. I used to love karate. I really did. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I was fascinated by Bruce Lee movies. They used to come on TV and I just thought it was so cool how they used to say stuff after they mouth moved. It used to be, come here. Right. I just thought it was the coolest thing, the fight scenes and everything. And I just, man, I loved me some Bruce Lee. And then they messed around and made the karate key. Y'all don't know nothing about this. Y'all think I'm talking about Will Smith's son. No. The original karate kid with Daniel son. Wax on. Come on. Wax on. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And so I started wanting to do karate. And then something amazing happened. They made The Last Dragon. Y'all too young. I know. But this involved a black person. So I went from watching Bruce Lee to watching, come on, Bruce Leroy. <laughs> and he had to go against Shona. 
Okay, I know this is before y'all time. Okay. But I became so infatuated with karate that I wanted to take karate lessons. And so I convinced my mom, and I was ready. I was set. I was on lesson two, and my dad found out. I was loving karate, right? I had my little kimono, my little white belt. I was doing all the things. I thought I was going to make some real pro. I was going to be the next Bruce Leroy. But my dad, whose name is Leroy, <laughs> said no. See, my dad is old school, and he was a boxer. And not only was my dad a boxer, but my grandfather was a professional boxer. And so he wasn't really feeling this karate stuff. He was like, no, take that boy out of there. I'm going to get him some boxing lessons. We're going to show him how to get it done. <laughs> but he ain't give me no boxing lessons. But he did teach me how to fight. I'm kind of glad that I didn't get those boxing lessons because another fun fact, uh, back then I had a short temper. Don't judge me, just pray for me. And so I know that if I would have gotten a boxing ring and somebody would have hit me, I would have lost all discipline and went straight south side Chicago <laughs> in the ring. And so I was managing my short temper as a kid, and I wasn't very good at managing that short temper as a kid. And now my dad has showed me how to fight, and now I'm really good at fighting. And so I got in a lot of fights. And so the thing about it, right, the dynamic is, is interesting. Both my, my parents are beautifully saved, uh, but my dad, he was nobody to play with. And so he wanted to raise a son that nobody could play with. <laughs> and so I would get in these fights, and I would get suspended. And I would get home, and my mom would be like, boy, what's, your, what's wrong with you? Why, are you? why are you fighting? My dad would be like, did you win? <laughs> did you win? <laughs> and, so, and so they had to work out a deal between them because I was getting in too much trouble. And so my, dad, my mom convinced my dad to you know, have a talk with me about all this fighting stuff. And so he said, look, boy, look. As long as you don't throw the first punch, all right? We don't start fights, but the McNeely's we finish. I know. He's in heaven. It's okay. And I said, oh, okay. You know, I'm smart. I'm, I got a short temper, but God also gave me a big brain. And so you, so you say, I just want to clarify. As long as I don't throw the first punch, I don't get in trouble? Yeah. Deal. <laughs> so now the game has changed just a little bit now I have to make sure that I don't throw the first punch so I put my brawn and my brain together and so this is what happened next situation that arose I said we'll swing then Now, I'm already preparing my defensive move in my head. I'm going to give a little matrix. And then come with the right hook, right? <laughs> and so that became my thing. I would get into a situation because it is what it is with boys and uh, testosterone and things. And so I knew as long as I didn't throw the first punch, I was not going to get in trouble. And so that became my MO. 
swing and a miss, swing and contact. Then I would get home, I would get suspended. Then I tell you, da 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 da. My dad would say, Did you throw the first punch? No, sir, I did not. All right. <laughs> I say all that to say some of us are having that conversation with God. He's given us an assignment. He's shown us our purpose. He's shown us who we are to him. But then we turn to him and we say, okay, God, you make the first move. And he's looking at you saying, no, you go first. God is waiting on you to make the move. God has given the vision. God has spoken a word over your life, but you have a part that you're supposed to play. I liken it to all of us can find ourselves, believe it or not, inside the story of the children of Israel because they had three phases to their early walk with God. They found themselves in Egypt in bondage. Then God sent Moses to get them out of bondage. And then they found themselves in the wilderness. And then God had Joshua lead them from the wilderness into the promised land. And all of us sitting in here watching online, listening to this podcast are in one of those places. Because Egypt represents the bondage of sin that some People are still in. We've all been in at some point. And then the wilderness represents a place of development where we have been set free. We have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into our life and we're no longer in bondage. But we're in this we're in this wilderness where the Lord is growing us up. The Lord is getting the bondage out of us. It's getting Egypt out of us because how many know that you can leave Egypt, but Egypt still be in you? And so there's a process to get Egypt and bondage and old mentalities and old strategies out of your system because they won't fit when it's time to go into the promised land. And, and then there's that promised land, that, that land flowing with milk and honey. And that, that, that represents our purpose. That represents our assignment on the earth. Because we are not here for no reason. We are not here to live perpetually in the wilderness. There's a season for it, but it is not meant to be the totality of our existence. There is a plan, a specific one, that you were created to walk in and fulfill you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, point, use your long finger and point at them and say, you have a purpose. The problem is we get stuck in the wilderness. We get comfortable with the cloud by day. We get comfortable with the fire by night. We get comfortable with the manna from heaven. We get comfortable with the quail. And we stay going in circles over and over again, feeling as though nothing's happening. Feeling as though no progress is being made. Feeling as though you're just 
existing. It's because you've been wandering in the wilderness too long. That season was supposed to come to an end for you. You were supposed to get free from Egypt, go into the wilderness so the Lord can speak to you, show you, help you, grow you, develop you. And then you were supposed to walk in your purpose. But how many know the wilderness can be comfortable? It can. When we can just depend on the Lord, we don't have to think. We don't have to strategize. We don't have to come up with any idea. We just got to look for the cloud by day and the fire by night, and we're going to be all right. But how many of you know that there is more? Shout that. Say more. There is more. And so the question you need to be asking yourself is this. I know I have a purpose, but what are the requirements of that purpose? What is it that I'm supposed to do to experience that purpose? And so that's where our text comes in today, because what we just read was the moment that Moses was taken by God and Joshua was put in command. And Joshua had one mission to get the people to the promised land. And God is talking to you about your promised land, about your purpose, and about what you're supposed to be doing, and you're not sure what it takes to do it until today. And so we're going to look at this story. We're going to look at what happened with Joshua right here to help us figure out what are we required to do. Because as we initially stated, God is waiting for us to move. And we're going to prove that through scripture. So I'm going to give you a few points and each point for my note takers who are serious about walking in the purpose that God created for them. Each point will begin with your purpose requires. So point number one, your purpose requires a promise. Your purpose requires a promise. We look at verse three again. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites and west to the Mediterranean Sea. God told Joshua what his purpose was. God had to remind Joshua that the plan had not changed. Some of you are asking God for what's next when you did nothing with what he already told you to do. And so what God just said to Joshua was not a new revelation. It was the promise that he had already stated to Moses, which had not yet been fulfilled. Because God still had a promise that was not yet walked into. What has God already told you about you? What has God already spoken over your life? 
What has God already commanded you to do that has not yet been fulfilled? God reminded Joshua that the promised land was already given to them. Quick question. Was Joshua standing in the promised land? No. But God told him that it was his. So although he did not yet possess it, although he was not standing in that promise just yet, the promise none the same was still true. The promised land was still his. The problem is Joshua had to get there. The problem is the place that God promised Joshua was occupied. Mm -hmm. Joshua had a part to play. Joshua had to get from where he was to where his purpose was. But then once he got to where his purpose was, it was going to take some effort for him to dwell in his purpose because the land had some inhabitants there. The thing we have to always remember is this. Actions of faith are required whenever God speaks to make the thing that God said literally legal. I'm going to say it again. When God speaks and says, you shall have this and you shall have that, you now have legal ground. It's yours. But in order for you to obtain what's legally yours, you're going to have to do some literal actions to walk in what's legally yours. This serves as an example of the intersection between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. God's sovereign and he cannot lie. What he says goes. But there is a human responsibility that's attached to. Put it this way. There are plenty of parents around the country who are currently saving money for their kids' future college education expenses. So say you've been a diligent parent. You've been just putting money away and they graduate high school and now it's time for them to go to college and you've got the money set aside for their tuition. They don't have anything to worry about. Does that money that you set aside for their college expenses Give them the degree. No, there is a human effort that has to match with the provision that has been made. So although everything that they need to complete the degree is there, they still have to go complete the degree. They have to go to class and pass them in order to walk across the stage. They can't show up at the registrar and say, hey, look, my parents pay for everything. Just give me my degree. Here's your tuition money. Where's my degree? That's not how that works. And that's not how your purpose works either. You can't look at God and say, God, you told me. God, you showed me. God, you spoke this over my life. Where is it? He's waiting on you. He's waiting on your effort to walk in alignment with what he has promised. But don't you dare make a move without the promise of God over your purpose. 
Because what happens is you just go and you could be going in the wrong direction. You could be pursuing the wrong mountain because you're moving out of human motives instead of the Holy Spirit's guidance. And so that's why the first step is a promise from God. What has God spoken over your life about what you're supposed to do with this life? Have you asked him? Have you considered time alone with him just to ask him, Lord, what will you have me to do with my life? I know I'm not here by chance, accident, or without a purpose. What is your promise over me? So number one, your purpose requires a promise. And number two, your purpose requires preparation. Ah, you thought it was just going to be supernatural. Manna from heaven. Your bank account was going to be flooded. The doors were going to be open. The customers were going to come. The certification was going to certify itself. No, sir. No, ma'am. Verse seven. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction. Not part, not some, not a little bit, not the parts that you like. The whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left. So if you're doing it and it doesn't line up with what I promised you, what I spoke over you, what I wrote in my word, you're going the wrong way. So that you will have success wherever you go. The key to your success is following the whole Instruction, verse eight, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. Did you know how important the Bible was to your purpose? It doesn't matter if you're called to the mountain of church or if you're called to the mountain of government or if you're called to the mountain of business. The Bible should not depart from your mouth. The Bible is a place you get God's instruction and you get wisdom on how to move and how to operate no matter what direction he takes you. It says you are to meditate on it day and night. The word meditate means to think about over and over and over and over again. Why should you do that? So that you may carefully observe everything written in it for then then you will prosper and succeed. There's that word again, success. Success. Success is not about the balance in your bank account. Success is not about the degrees hanging on your wall. Success is not about how good your kids are at basketball. I know they are straight A student. That still is not success. Success is walking in the purpose that God ordained for you. That is where your success lies. That's why this conversation is so important. That's why you need to ask God, what is it that you will have me to do? Verse 9, haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous because your preparation not only is for things in the natural, but uh, you need some mental preparation. 
because very rarely does God call you to do something easy. And it's going to be so easy to talk yourself out of it. You already have your list of disqualifications already lined up. God's telling you how qualified you are. You like, but God, I don't know if you know this, even though I know you know everything. You might not know this. I don't think that I'm qualified. to. That's why he said be strong and courageous because God's not going to have you to do anything that doesn't require you to come back to him. And so that's why not only do you need to be strong physically, not only emotionally, not only spiritually, but mentally, too. You're going to need some courage for this journey. I don't know if any of you have ever been up and close to an actual mountain. But let me tell you, it's intimidating. Mountains are not hills. That's why they're classified differently. Mountains are really, really, really big. And the higher you go up, the less oxygen is available. The more you have to focus, not waste a breath. And God is saying this to you. Be prepared. He's not calling you to go and freestyle your purpose. He don't want you to go off the top of the dome trying to figure this out. You need to put some preparation into it. And the best place that you can start your preparation process is in the word of God. That's what we just read. It doesn't matter which field you are called to. It doesn't matter which type of office you operate in. Your instruction manual is the same. It's the word of God. And we read twice that it's the key to being successful because you can go to the right mountain. You can go to the right industry and fail. Because you didn't follow the steps necessary for success. He's giving us the instructions for success. He's saying, seek your answers in the word of God. Ultimately, success for a Christian is fulfilling their God-given purpose in his life. You all need to let that settle in. We spend too much time just going day to day in survival mode. We're just trying to survive the day. We're going to show up to work tomorrow, figuring out how am I going to make it to Friday? Because we're in the wilderness. We're putting no effort to crossing the Jordan over into the promise. And so that's why every single day is drudgery and misery and emptiness. Because I'm not focused on God's promise. I'm doing zero preparation to walk in my purpose. To do that, we have to meditate on the scripture day and night. Day and night. Read your Bible is what they're saying. Don't just read it just because it's the Christian thing to do. Read it because I'm trying to walk in my purpose. I'm trying to figure out who I am to God. I'm trying to learn how to be all that he created me to be. So I have to meditate on his word day and night, not out of Christian obligation, but because I want to be more like him. And his promise is 
When you do that, when you when you when you get the word of God deeply in you, you'll be able to move in and out of circumstances and situations that you would not have been able to otherwise. Number three, your purpose requires provision. Your purpose requires provision. In verse 11, it says, get provision ready for yourselves. I know you're like, Lord, open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing that I won't have room for. That's biblical and that's true. But the word of God is telling you to get provision ready for yourself. So that thing that he's called you to do probably going to require some money. So you need to be a good steward of the resources that you have. Can you afford that next degree? Or are you going to put yourself in more debt, put yourself more behind financially trying to get there? I know. I went from yoga to your college degrees. I know that business plan that you have is amazing. But can you afford to even open the doors? God has called you to plant a church. Let me tell you something. It's expensive. You better make sure God said that. And if he did say that, you need to get provision ready for yourselves. Did you know your purpose had a, an element of financial stewardship to it? So that means that you can't just blow money fast. That means you can't just buy whatever, whenever, just because you emotionally feel in a certain type of way. Your purpose requires provision. How much are you putting aside to fulfill your purpose on the earth? Nothing. But let that change today. I, I challenge you to go open the, a purpose fund. You can go to your bank tomorrow and open another account. I'm, this is my purpose fund. But whatever the Lord is speaking to me, I'm going to start putting a little bit aside. So when, when I get this clarity, when I'm able to strike, I'm going to be ready to strike because I'm following the biblical requirements for my purpose. Stop struggling to say, Lord, I want to. I see it. I'm supposed to, but I ain't got no money. If you don't have no money, do something about it. Extra shift, extra job, extra something. Open up your purpose fund and start showing the Lord that you're serious about being who you were created to be. So, 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 so your purpose requires a promise. Your, your purpose requires preparation and your purpose requires provision. And the next one is your, your, your purpose requires patience. Because again, we love, love the supernatural. I read in my Bible. Now the Lord touched his eyes. Huh? And his eyes were open. Suddenly. We love suddenly. If the Lord can do it, he can do it right now. Bless God. He can do it right now. But sometimes, and most times, your purpose is going to require you to be patient. There's a process. Now, keep in mind, 
that God told Joshua to cross the Jordan. He said, go. My, my servant Moses is gone. You the man now. I need you to take the people to the other side. But in verse 11, again, it says within three days, this is Joshua now taking what he heard from God and coming to the people. In three days, you will be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. So at times, there are suddenlies from heaven, but most times, it's going to be some time in between when you heard what God had to say and when you walk in what he said. You remember David? Remember when Samuel showed up with the oil and poured it on and said, surely you are the next king? Well, guess what? 20 years went by before he sat on the throne. Sometimes there's a process that's going to require your patience. Everything isn't overnight. God told me to leave my job. I ain't going to say no names. Did he say today? Did he say right now? I heard from the Lord. Now you're going talking crazy to your boss because you got a promise from heaven. You got the word of the Lord and now you're going to work acting like a devil. I don't need this job. I got God. Put a little time in between there. Be a little patient. Because not only did, did, did they have to wait three days, but then uh, uh, Joshua sent some spies, which we'll get into. And guess what? They were there three days. And then when they came back, there was another three days that they had to wait after they got the report. So sometimes there's going to be some time to sit and ponder and posture yourself for what's to come. So not only does it require patience, but your purpose then requires, here we go, a plan. This is where y'all fall off. Your purpose requires a plan. You don't get the word of the Lord and start staring at heaven like, okay, Lord, send it. I'll catch it. You need to make a plan. For what he has shown you. Remember, you go first. Verse 12 says, Joshua said to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, your wives, dependents, and livestock may remain. This is verse 14 now. May remain in the land Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But your best soldiers must cross over in battle formation ahead of your brothers and help them. Until the Lord gives your brothers rest and he has given you and they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them, you may then return to the land of your inheritance and take possession of what Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on the east side of the Jordan. So there are 12 tribes. So Joshua took two whole tribes and half of one tribe and gave them some very specific instructions. He said, listen, all that over there on the east side of the Jordan, 
That's y'all's. Y'all can have it. The reason that that was theirs is because those tribes were the tribes that dealt with livestock. And that land was the most conducive part of Canaan for livestock. But he said, but, but, but. You can have that, but I need your soldiers because I need your soldiers to come over here and help the rest of the tribes as we go in and as we execute God's plan. What is this? A strategy. God told them to cross over. He didn't line everybody up in single file line, millions of people deep and say, well, he just said cross over. So let's just all No, there was a plan. There was a strategy. There was some intentionality and some thought put into how we're going to cross over the Jordan, how we're going to enter into the promised land, how we're going to experience our purpose in life. You need to take some time to consider the how of your purpose. You need to create a strategy around the how of your purpose. You don't just take action immediately without thinking it through without looking at pros and cons, without being intentional of your thoughts of making sure that you walk into what God said to walk into the right way. You need a plan. So after you make your plan, here's the part that's going to get the rest of you. Your purpose requires engaging people. Yeah, I know y'all don't like people. I can tell by how y'all sitting in service. All these gaps. (laughs) do you know why God uh, is going to make sure that you engage people on your purpose because he likes people I know you not a people person but he is God so loved the world not some of it all of them A-L-L-O-F-U-N all of them God love all of them. And he's going to require you to engage people on your journey to your purpose. And can I fill you in on something else? You ain't going to like some of them people. Some of them people ain't going to look like church people. You don't believe me. So let's look at the Bible. Joshua 2 and 4. But the woman, who that woman? Rahab. Who was Rahab? A harlot. What's a harlot? A prostitute. He ain't sent a pastor to help them. He was the prostitute to help them. But you so judgmental that you can't see a blessing in somebody who don't fit your style. You overlook the blessing Because your pride is on full display. If God said it, it must going to be through God's people. But what if that person who's not currently God's people will become God's people because of your interaction? What about that? (laughs) You're going to have to deal with people. God is not going to give you any type of purpose. That doesn't require people because his objective is much bigger than yours. His objective is to bring heaven to earth. His objective is going to involve people all around this world. 
He doesn't save you. He doesn't equip you. He doesn't purpose you for you. He does all those things with a generation in mind. He does all those things with people you currently know and people that you don't currently know in mind. He has purposed and equipped you and resourced you because he wants you to change the world. He wants you to turn the world upside down. Next, your purpose requires your participation. Your purpose requires your participation. So in chapter one, God gives the instruction to Joshua. Joshua gives the instruction to the people. In chapter two, Joshua sends the spies into the land to spy the land out. And that's where they encounter Rahab and Rahab hides them. And because Rahab hides them, they enter into an agreement with Rahab and say, because you saved our life, we will save your life. Just put this scarlet cord, which is also a shadow back to when the children of Israel were in Egypt and the death angel came through and they had to put blood above their doorposts. And so now Rahab puts this scarlet uh, a scarf above their door. And now not only is she saved, but her family is saved because of her interaction with God's people that not one person was changed, but a household. You'll get that later. And so now chapter two, they make it out of that area and they come back and give the report. And chapter three is where it's time to take action. It's time to cross over. We done prayed about this. We done strategize about this. We done researched about this. And now, now it's time to participate. Joshua in verse th chapter three, verse one, started early the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. Are you still in a place that God has told you to leave? Are you still in a relationship that God has told you to leave? Now, now this might be your part. Are you still at a job that God has told you to leave? The problem with some of us is that we are operating in old seasons trying to use new guidance and instructions. It's time to go. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to go. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before the crossing because God's purpose in your life requires the movement of your feet. You have to move. You cannot stay where you are and enter his promise. The promise doesn't come to you. You have to go to it. I appreciate your prayers. Please continue to do that. But at some point, you got to get up off your knees and start moving. In the direction of your promise. It's time. That's for somebody. It's time to move. I feel that somebody's been staying still too long. Somebody's been staying stuck too long. You've been operating under the spirit of fear. And in the name of Jesus, I break the spirit of fear off your life right now. It is time to move in Jesus name. Last one. I know y'all getting tired of me. Here's the last requirement. 
Your purpose requires God's presence. And this is the most important lesson. Because if he ain't in it, come on, if he ain't in it, it's going to be a disaster. You want God's presence leading you. Chapter 3, verse 3. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God carried by the Levitical priests, you are to break camp and what? Follow it. But wait. Keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the ark. Don't go near it. Why? So that you can see the way to go. You haven't traveled this way before. Mm -mm. Where God's taking you, you haven't traveled this way before. The area that God's calling you into, you haven't traveled this way before. The area of influence that you're supposed to impact this world with, you haven't traveled this way before. And that's why keep, keep your distance. Keep an eye view of where the ark of the, where God's, follow his presence. Mm -mm. Don't think it's just about a degree or a certification. Mm -mm. Don't just think it's about just about money and, and, and prosperity. Mm -mm. It requires you to follow God's presence. I don't care if you're running for office. I don't care if you're running uh, track meet. Whatever God has called you to do, you better make sure that God's presence is leading you. You don't want to make a move without the presence of God leading you. If you didn't write nothing else down, you better make sure that your purpose has his presence leading you. Don't make a move without his presence. I'll close with this. What happens when you take the time to execute these requirements. Let's recap. Your purpose requires a promise. Your purpose requires preparation. Your purpose requires provision. Your purpose requires patience. Your purpose requires a plan. Your purpose requires people. Your purpose requires your participation and your purpose requires God's presence. So what happens when we fulfill this criteria? I think we find our answer in verse three of chapter three. The Lord spoke to Joshua today. I will begin to exalt you. Did you catch that? Did you see how much Joshua had to do before? Before God exalted him. You think the exalting is the sign that God is with you. The problem is he's waiting for you to go first. He has given you instructions 
These are the requirements. And only after you fulfill these requirements will you hear today. I will exalt you. But that's also a promise to you. That's why you are supposed to be strong and very courageous for this journey. Because on the other side of this journey, it's going up a mountain ain't easy. When you, when you put out this effort, when you use this energy and resources and, and, and your prayers and your people and, 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 and you're just striving to be who God called you to be, when you, when you wipe the sweat of your brow, that's when you're going to hear him say today. Today, I will exalt you. How many people want to hear that from God? It's going to require you to have a new commitment to leaving the wilderness that you've become comfortable in. That's why you show up every Sunday and leave right out. Cloud by day, fire by night. Well, I guess this Sunday I should go to church. But there's more. There's more than manna from heaven. There's a promise for you. But you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You have to get comfortable with trusting God about that stuff that don't make sense that he keep telling you to do. Yeah. You just keep saying, Lord, how? I don't see it. Good. Trust him. You're not God. He is. And he knows the end from the beginning. You have to trust God. Some of you might be saying, you know, that's good for the young folk. That's a good word for them young folk. Can I help you? Our Bible says that Joshua lived to be 110 years old. So if you do a little bit of math, that would place this moment in Joshua's life where he was about to walk in his promise. He was somewhere between 65 and 75 years old, a whole senior citizen. And some of you might be saying, well, you know, I missed it. My opportunity is gone. That season, uh, I'll just do the best with what I have left. But God is saying, nah, bruh. Nah, sis. You breathed and you got purpose. You know why? Because God don't live in time. He don't have a calendar or a watch. And you're here on purpose. Can we stand? You're not here by accident. You're not here for no good reason. You're here because you still have work to do. You know, I talked about my dad earlier. He's in heaven now. And I just remember he was always the type to just tell you straight whatever he thought. And that also included his love for Jesus. He would tell people every chance that he got. And then they got to the end, toward the end of his life, 
where he wasn't as mobile as he could be. He required oxygen, and so he didn't leave as much. You know what he did in his 70s? He got on that, that internet and started sending out email. Because he knew he wasn't done. I got this oxygen tank. I can't go out like I used to, but guess what? He embraced what was available to him. He learned how to use that. He's like, boom. I had, I had one every day. Had some, had some type of email, Christian email, a Christian joke, a Christian story, something. I'm like, Dad, I'm saved. It's okay. <laughs> but you're still here means that you still have work to do. You don't get to skate and coast and put it on cruise control. Nah. You're here for a purpose. Do you believe that? You're here for a purpose. We close our eyes for a moment. Some of you are realizing that you have not been walking in the way that you should walk. There's been distance between you and God. You know that you need to surrender your life to the Lord. Or maybe you once did and things, things haven't been right for a while and you need to re-surrender to him. This would be a good time for that. I'm not going to have you come down, do any backflips or anything like that. But on the count of three, I am going to ask you to raise your hand, not to me, to heaven, to him. And say, Lord, here am I. The good news is he's willing to accept you just as you are. You can't get yourself together. I know you would like to say, you know, I, I, I kind of got to get my, you know, my situation together. No, you can't. And he's not requiring you to. He's just asking for your yes. So be courageous right now. And on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to just simply raise your hand. Nobody's looking but me in heaven. One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you. I see 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 you. You can put those hands down. This is a moment that's holy ground. This is a distraction-free moment. But we're going to just pray because prayer still works. And so if you need to, if you raise your hand and, and, and you need to make that commitment, I want you to pray this out loud. But guess what? We're all going to pray with you. Because nobody prays alone here. So all you have to do to walk in what you know is in your heart to do, the journey starts by repeating after me. Father in heaven, receive my worship. Receive my dedication to you in this moment. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I believe that you died on the cross and rose again just for me. And in this moment, I commit my life to you that you may rule and have lordship over my life from this day forward. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we put our hands together for those commitments? That's a big deal, all nations. We celebrate like they do in heaven. The angels are rejoicing and so are we. The angels are rejoicing and so are we. We honor your decision today. We celebrate your decision today. And most importantly, God recognizes your decision today. If God has also spoken to you about making all nations aurora your church home, we would love to be your church. My wife and I would love to be your pastors. They'll put on the screen how to do that. You can go out in the lobby and fill out a card, scan your phone, or you can go to allnationsaurora.com slash join. We would love, we would love to have you. We would love for you to plug in because you need community. Stop trying to be a solo ranger. God is a community, Father, Son, and Spirit, and you need a community too. You should not do life alone. So we're going to close in prayer. And we're going to ask God to use what he taught us today and embed it in our soul so deep that we have no choice but to fall in alignment with it. Are you willing to do that? Yeah. Father, in this moment, we surrender to you. We know that you have created us for a purpose. We know that you have a plan for our life. Forgive us for stagnation. Forgive us for complacency. Forgive us for running and hiding from what you've been calling us to do. And in this moment, from this moment, we agree with what you have said. We want to be all that you have created us to be. But Father, we can't do it without you. So Holy Spirit, come and help us do what we were created to do. Help our lives never be the same and help, help us impact other people for your kingdom so that their lives will never be the same either. So, Father, our hands are lifted, our hearts are open, and we ask that you have your way. And it's in the mighty, matchless, powerful, all-knowing name of Jesus Christ. And we say... Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.